Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. No Steve today. Scheduling error. That's okay. This is going to be a preview podcast for Michigan's trip to Illinois. I'll be down there. And in this podcast, we're going we're gonna to do our over-unders, kind of like what we did last week. It'll, they'll be threaded in throughout the, throughout the show. Uh, I'm also going to try to hit on some key topics that I learned or am, am, are still in my mind from press conferences. Also going to look at what Illinois brings to the table and, and try to give you guys a nice comprehensive preview, both from the actual game, but with, as we mentioned yesterday, with Jeremy Werner. Uh, the game's results this week is probably not going to be a surprise it's it's not if Michigan wins it's it's probably more by how much but at the same time you know Michigan is building toward other games they they still control their own destiny but you know they're gonna have to do it they're gonna have to play better than they have I think to to get through this schedule run the table and and win the Big Ten make a New Year's Six make the playoff whatever whatever their feasible goals are for this for this team based on talent so Anyway, uh, we'll jump into our first over-under. It starts off a topic about the passing game. Of course, our over-unders come from Neil uh, on Twitter, and I know he's a, he's a member of our board as well. And his first one is 65.5% completion rate for Shea Patterson. I am going to say over. Illinois has actually only allowed higher than that once this season, but they also haven't faced a quarterback like Shea Patterson. They've had a couple games where the weather was a little wonky. I probably should have checked the Champagne weather before I before I started this. But no, I, I, I think he gets more. I think, and, and one of the key things I'm watching, this is one of my four things to watch that I'll publish tomorrow, is this has got to be more than a get a get well game for Shea Patterson in this passing offense. And and you know, we've we've noted there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into these to these offensive struggles. Notice that Ronnie Bell is able to out catch and out receive some of these other guys, and and talking to or actually watching the film, and then trying to kind of gauge from the offensive coaches. It sounds like his ability to break routes and his ability to improvise goes with Shea Patterson's. They have a nice chemistry. Certainly helps that he was the only one of those four receivers that wasn't hurt uh, for at least a decent amount of the summer, and so. This anyway, where I was going with that is that this has got to be, you know, Michigan. Michigan has had a good passing game at times, not so much against Iowa, but Rutgers, Middle Tennessee, even the the fourth quarter against Wisconsin. You know, they, there have been snippets, there have been big plays, the beginning of the Army game. So I expect them to succeed, and so that's where sixty five and a half is. It's probably a good number because if he's higher than that. Then it's more than just playing well. It's it's maybe building some confidence, taking a step forward, and that's got to be something Michigan's thinking about. You know, I know they, you know, overall they're just trying to win the game, but and we'll talk about this a little bit throughout the show. If Michigan's out there to just get through it and, you know, not you know not get dirty, not not get hurt, and just get through it and, and take their shot against Penn State, then it might not look like that impressive of a game. But if they're trying to continue to build, you know, the brick by brick mantra I've mentioned a couple times on on this podcast and also in my stories, uh, this is a game where they'll they'll show some serious progress. This is a game where Shea Patterson will look like the Shea Patterson many expected him to look like. And I know he's been working. I mean, he talked about it 
you know, this this Tuesday. I know he got a lot of flack for the uh, where is this offense right now, and he said right where we want to be. That was not the overall sentiment of his press conference. His overall sentiment is that he is he is not happy with himself. I know he mentioned we have high, high expectations. Quote says we have high expectations. We know you do too. We just have to keep going, keep pushing, keep working our you know what's off, and keep grinding until we get there. So they are working. I mean, this, the you know we've talked about that. The, there's a misconception that Shea does is complacent or or content with with what he's done so far. I don't think so. I really don't. You know, we're not in practice, so I can't say with absolute certainty what it looks like. But no, they invested a lot of time and energy and effort. I mean, this is their lives. This is this is what they this is their day job and their night job. And so so yeah, no, they need this is a kind of game where they need to go out there and be crisp and and from the get go. And I, I think Shea's up to the challenge. I, you know, Illinois secondary um, tackling is a problem. I know Jer- Jeremy Werner, who we had on the show yesterday, he mentioned, you know, it's just has not been good at times. And so that's that's something that they're keeping an eye on. Uh, decision-making, this is just me watching a few games, more so in run defense maybe, but, you know, zone read, RPO, uh, you know, Quarterback goes out of the pocket. Defenders deciding whether they want to stay with their man or or try to do some contain. It's it's rough. It's rough for Illinois uh, right now, and and they certainly have potential to be better. But no, I I think I think this is a point of emphasis for Michigan. So I'm going to take the over. Next one: three and a half running backs with at least six carries. I'll say. I'll say mm, six carries. If we're counting, if we're counting quarterbacks, then yes, because I think Shea Patterson will have at least six carries, uh, and I think you'll see, I think you'll see Turner, I think you'll see Charbonnet, I think you'll see a Wilson, um, and yeah, maybe they try to get Haskins in there. I, him and Turner, I'm curious if they are able to make an impact. Like, not they're going to make an impact. I'm curious to know if they're going to be able to make a difference in Michigan's offense this year. Because the way they move their feet, they have very quick feet. And and it kind of reminds me of Karan Higdon, where even when they're getting tackled, their their feet are still moving. A lot of running backs are able to do that, but but they seem to be able to do it at another level. And Michigan's run game has been has been meager so far. Really has not done much in any game. I mean even against Rutgers, it wasn't they weren't weren't necessarily running with authority like they have in past seasons. So six carries, that's kind of high to give it to four different players. I could see a few players getting four carries. I'll say over just because I imagine Charbonnet will be limited. He might not even get to six. He might be the one to keep an eye on. Um, but does do Wilson, Turner, Haskins, plus quarterback, hard to tell if if that was a part of it. He did say running backs, so, so maybe... Maybe I'm I'm wrong here, um, but I'll say over. I'll say over. Hopefully, with Steve gone, I don't go over twelve and lose lose my slight lead. Right now, I'm at thirty nine out of sixty two. He's at thirty six. Seventy nine point five yards for leading receiver. I'm going to say under. It really hasn't. It really hasn't happened a ton this year. I know. I assume they'll pass a good amount. I just don't know if eighty plus yards will go to the same guy. Um. But this is this is a game where I'm very curious to see how Michigan goes about 
scoring and producing on offense. Because I, I think, I think this seems like a game where you want to work on your run game, but at the same time, if you're looking at Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, so on and so on, and and you're saying, if you're Michigan's coaches and you're saying, well, the only way Michigan will win these games is through the air. How important is working on your run game in this situation? Because if you're not really going to set up the run against Penn State or against Notre Dame, then why why work on it now? Might as well pass. I mean, I've, when you have a you know, if you have a sizable lead, then sure you run. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if they have a. I don't know if they're going to go to someone enough times for it to be eighty yards. And this is something. It's sometimes a strength for Michigan, their ability to to pass the ball to a bunch of different players. I think, you know, we talked about it, I think, last week, maybe two weeks ago, how Michigan really hasn't had very many 1,000-yard receivers or or certainly very many 1,200-yard, you know, they don't have guys that are these target them 10 to 15 times a game. And I think this group, if they give it to Nico Collins, say, five times, are they also going to give it to Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones five times? I'm going to take the under. I could see it happening. I just, until I see it, I, I'm skeptical. I think they are going to try to work the ball around. Wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they even try to get their their freshmen and their underclassmen who who have that same kind of quick twitch uh, improvisation ability that, that Ronnie Bell has. Maybe they try to get them involved too. Next one, 21 and a half first downs on offense. Hmm. Huh. Not so not sure about that one. That one's that one's tough because I don't actually know how many first downs is typical for Michigan. I think they'll I think they'll get a lot of first downs. 21. Uh that's I'll I'll take the I'll take the over on that one. It looks like Michigan got just 13 first downs against Iowa, but that was obviously a different kind of game. I'll say I'll say over. I think they're going to move the ball. I'm predicting them, spoiler alert, to score more than 40 points in this game. Again, this is a this is an Illinois defense. I think I don't know if Jeremy pointed it out on air, but he certainly has has mentioned it to me that in Illinois' last 11 Big Ten games, which mind you is a lot of Big Ten West opponents, Minnesota's, Northwesterns. Iowa's teams that don't have amazing offenses, they've given up 44.7 points per game since in Big Ten games since the start of 2018. That's a lot. It's hard to get that many points and not not record at least 21 first downs. So I will say over on that one. Uh, next one, one and a half touchdowns from plays 30 yards or greater. I'll say over. This is this is a this is an Illinois defense that that really struggles to limit big plays. Um, you know, and and I don't know exactly what the stats are, but they also played Akron and UConn, maybe the two worst teams in FBS. So I don't really read too much into the stats. You know, they had, for example, they had 11 sacks in the first two games, and they only have four since then, and that's against Eastern Michigan, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate them stopping Michigan. From getting some big play offense, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, and one thing I've noticed is Michigan is able to get some big plays in the air. I believe they have 22 pass plays of at least 20 yards 
They only have one rush of 20 yards. And so that goes back to that theory of are you are you really trying to stifle the run here? Are you really trying to build the run game? Excuse me. Well, Illinois is only, Illinois has allowed nine plays of 30 yards or more, but they've allowed 33 plays of 20 yards or more. And that 33 uh, ranks uh, them ooh, 119th in the country. So, yeah, they're a big play. They, they give up a lot of big plays. Last one from the offense, seven and a half passes thrown by Joe Milton. Another one that I, I, I think Michigan could go philosophically either way. They could, they could say Milton air it out. If, if it was McCaffrey, I'd say, and, and we knew McCaffrey was healthy, I'd say over. I don't, I don't know if he's going to play. Leaning no based on what Harbaugh said this week. Uh, you know, he kind of, instead of saying he's progressing, he's healthy, he said he kind of elaborated on how many different doctors McCaffrey's seen. That makes me think that this is, this is more, one of, on the more serious end of concussions. Which I know, you know, there's some old school football fans who say, well, such and such had a concussion and was back in the next week or even the next quarter. It's not quite like that. And anyone who saw that hit understands that that maybe it's maybe this one is one you're a little bit more careful about. Uh, but yeah, if we knew McCaffrey was healthy and was going to play, I would say over seven and a half. Milton, they did make him available. I, I believe in availability theory. If they make someone available to the media. There's a reason, most typically, uh, you're able to use that to gauge who's doing well in fall camp. And so, yeah, if Milton, it, it was kind of strange getting the third-string quarterback after a game in which he didn't play. And so perhaps perhaps we see him more. Oh, seven and a half passes thrown, though. I, I don't know. That really comes down to another... One of my other four things I'm watching is how does Michigan start? Because they they really have struggled starting out hot on the road. And I know uh, my colleague Michael Spath has mentioned that that a lot of that has to, you know, one former player told him a lot of it has to do with the pep talk and what kind of energy they build in the locker room before the game. A lot of times with these games against teams that they're expecting to beat, Indiana twice, Minnesota, Purdue, Maryland a couple times, perhaps even Wisconsin this year it's just not it's not that pumped up you know the the playing at home you have the big crowd you have the banner you have the band you have the whole pregame routine that gets you pumped on the road if you're playing in a stadium that's maybe a third empty uh, there's like a smattering of applause it, it can be hard to start hot okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And so I'm going to say I'm going to say that Michigan makes it an emphasis, though. And you know what? I'll be I'll be bold. It's okay. Steve's not here. He's not getting any right this week. And I'll say over. I'll say between them making Milton available, between the questions about Shea Patterson, between Michigan, what I assume will be a point of emphasis to start out on a strong note, I think he gets eight pass attempts in. 
Okay, on to the defense. Big key for the defense for me is how well does Michigan stop the run? Because as we've talked about, Brandon Peters, it doesn't sound like he's going to play. You know, Jeremy did a, did a great job breaking down um, Matt Robinson, the, the third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback. I don't know where him and Isaiah Williams stack up, but I, I you know they're putting Robinson out there. Not a very good arm. Decent runner. I mean, he is listed as a dual threat quarterback. He, he, I'm sure he has some athleticism to extend plays and and to uh, maybe even get a you know first down with his feet. Hasn't quite shown it yet, but maybe that's something that he and Rod Smith kind of click on. Uh, this is someone that that you know has been there for Rod Smith's tenure. But three and a half sacks from the D line plus Uche. I'm gonna say over. Illinois is allowing three sacks per game. We've mentioned some of Illinois' stats are skewed because they haven't played very many good teams. They had one of the easier non-conference schedules you'll come across. And so for them to to allow three sacks per game, which is a pretty decent amount, makes me think Michigan's defensive line can get a few more. You know, We'll see. I don't know if Quiddy Pay is going to play, but Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Carlo Kemp, who just came, he's coming off maybe his best game. Michael Dwumfor, who's coming off one of his better games, even if it didn't show up a ton in the box score. Plus Uche, who's who's stopping Uche? And Illinois has got a they have a big offensive line. It's not a particularly fast or athletic. I shouldn't say fast. Not a particularly quick-footed or athletic offensive line. A lot of lot of guys who are who are size and strength, but maybe not not necessarily. Uh, the quick quick twitch type or stopping the quick twitch defenders. So I'll say over. Six and a half tackles for loss for Kalik Hudson, Cameron and Glasgow combined. I gotta say under. That's a lot of tackles for loss. I don't know I don't know what those three combined for last week. Uh but that is that is expecting really just an even better performance than last week. So here we go. Against Iowa they combined for Three, four and a half tackles for loss. So, sorry, Neil. I don't know. I don't know your rationale there. I'm going to say under for those three players. Six and a half tackles for loss. Uh, but, but Illinois is going to run the ball a lot. Reggie Corbin. I think he's someone that would start at a lot of Big Ten schools. He ran for over a thousand yards last year on eight and a half yards per carry, nine touchdowns. He's he's pretty good. He's not quite as good this year. He's at like six point six yards per carry. But he's he's very quick. He has a lot of big play potential. And then um, Rayvon Hopper or Bonner, excuse me, Rayvon Bonner and Dre Brown are two guys to keep an eye on as well in the run game. It's it's probably their strength. Obviously, that's relative. Um, but they do have some guys who can run the ball. One of them, Mike Epstein, is out. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's ever healthy for the Fighting Illini. But still, Corbin. Bonner and Brown. I could see them. I could see them doing all right, and so that's where I'm curious to see how, how this run game does, because Iowa, uh, Mecky Sargent, he's he's good. He's a good running back. I don't know that he's. I don't know that he's the kind of burner that some of the teams Michigan's facing later on this season, and one team that they've already faced this season has like a Jonathan Taylor type. Corbin isn't Taylor, and he isn't J.K. Dobbins, but but he might be in that next. That next category of running backs, if, if if what I have seen is indicative. 
Okay, here we go. Next one, 39.5 yards total on all punt returns by Michigan. Uh, I'll say over. I think they're going to force a lot of punts. I don't know how many of them are going to be returned, but I, I imagine at least a couple of them will be. Just don't think this Illinois Illinois team is going to going to be able to do too much. So last week, Iowa punted seven times. They have a good punter, though. They have a good punter. Uh, they only allowed one punt return. It did go for 36 yards. I think it was the one that Peoples-Jones fumbled on. But, yeah, I'm guessing... You know, even if it's even if it's two or three returns, I'm guessing Michigan can get over that. Next one, five five and a half three and outs by the defense. This is a number for if, if you're a Michigan fan wanting wanting to gauge what this defense is like. This is a number I'm I'm keeping an eye on because Michigan actually, and part of this is Iowa being not you know a veteran offense. They actually converted on six third downs. Last game, and at one point they were complete. They were converting on more of their thirds downs than they were not converting on. They ended up six for seventeen, which isn't very good. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see. I think that's a it's a it's a nice discipline test for Michigan's defense. They're on the road. They're probably going to win. Are they able to stomp on the throat? That is something Michigan has struggled with on the road, and really just in having leads in general. They don't. And this is I'm sure Michigan's not alone. I I just cover Michigan. You know, Iowa actually only had one three and out last game. And so that 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 kind of plays into what I'm talking about. It's it's one thing to be a statistically good defense, and it's another thing to force some three and outs on Illinois. I I five and a half's high. I'm guessing they'll probably have twelve to thirteen drives, maybe maybe a few more. Does Michigan stop them six times without them even getting a first down? Uh, it's possible. It, this is a tough over/under set, just because what I what I could see happening versus what logic would tell me is going to happen seem to contrast. I will go. I will go under. I think maybe they get like five or so three and outs. Not a hundred percent sure, but but how Michigan stops the run will be the key because they absolutely stifled Iowa in the run game. And they seem to they seem to want to prove that point against Iowa. After the game, I know Aiden Hutchinson was talking about it. Um, you know, some of the other defensive players were mentioning it. They wanted to stop the run there. This is another opportunity for them to do so. I just don't know if they uh three and outs. I'll I'll stick with under. I'll stick with under. Uh, Illinois quarterbacks have nine and a half net positive rushing yards, sack yardage included. So they are probably going to have the quarterback run more. They, they've gone from Brandon Peters, who had overall athleticism, but wasn't necessarily a dual threat player. Robinson is supposed to be a dual threat player. And if Isaiah Williams plays, then he is a pure dual threat player. But I'm going to say under. I, I do think Michigan's going to get a lot of sacks in this game. I, I think I think they're going to... Illinois again, big big offensive line, few returning starters, but Minnesota didn't make them look so hot. And and Robinson, to give you a glimpse, he, he's carried the ball, but he has negative seven rushing yards on on the season. So playing against defensive fronts that I would declare as worse than Michigan's, he still has negative rushing yards. And then our last one, six and a half points allowed from Illinois. First five drives. 
So this is basically one thing I'm watching is is how does Illinois, how does Michigan minimize Illinois' fluke plays? Because Michigan last two games they have it they've only haven't allowed a touchdown, but it seemed like I mean how many games have we seen under Don Brown? And this is partly a testament to how good Michigan's been, but maybe even a little bit of a of a weakness is how many times have they basically shut a team out except for one junk play or one play that things. Things just went haywire. Even Middle Tennessee, I know they gave up 21 points, but two of them were on short field, and one of them was just a complete garbage play. Or not a garbage play. A poorly executed broken play by Michigan uh, that resulted in a really long touchdown. I'm going to say under for the first few drives. I think I think there'll be some focus. I think I anticipate Michigan emphasizing getting off to a strong start. So the first... Five drives, I don't think Illinois will have a touchdown. We'll see. We'll see. This is, this is, that's one of those mental tests. And, and you know, just to close up here, kind of what are some of the things that will constitute a victory for Michigan other than simply beating Illinois by a lot of points? I think one of them is how, how, how Michigan starts. Because, again, if they have the chip on the shoulder, if, they, if they're really still hungry after that loss to Wisconsin, and they're not they're – not, believing that they're all the way back and they're not resting on their laurels and they're not saying 10-3 win over Iowa, that will do. I think they come out with it with a chip on their shoulder. The first quarter, I think, will just be all Michigan. If Illinois tinkers around and, and hangs around, maybe that's a credit to Illinois, but to me, that that's a sign of a Michigan team that is maybe looking ahead on the schedule. Understandably so, but maybe is is thinking a little bit more about Penn State than Illinois. So very curious to see how that goes. Another thing, another thing I'm looking at is Shea Patterson. You know, we mentioned him at the beginning. This has got to be this has to be a really clean, crisp game for him. No more fumbles. No more. I mean, he, you know, every quarterback's going to miss on throws. <laughs> no one's going to complete 100 percent of their passes. But but this is a kind of game where he should. Michigan fans should feel really good about the downfield attack being improved in this game and build the rapport with Nico Collins, build the rapport with Donovan Peoples-Jones, who still is working his way back from an injury. You know, go through your progressions, have the what the internal clock as a quarterback, work on that. Work on finding the most open receiver, not the first one you see. Or or you know, the the easiest throw that you see. Let's I'm I'm curious to see what Shea Patterson does. Uh, that's another thing I'm watching. I mentioned the start. I mentioned stopping the run. That's really the only thing Illinois does well right now. So naturally, they're going to try it. Michigan has stopped the run against Army and Iowa and Rutgers. But Wisconsin got them. And Corbin is is maybe the second best running back Michigan has faced this season. So how does it look? And and lastly, I just I want to I want to get to know the mentality of this team a little bit, because after Saturday, things get really really tough for Michigan at Penn State. And in my personal experience, in what six or so years, seven six or seven years of covering college sports, that is the best atmosphere. Final Four and nothing compared to a Penn State whiteout, and so. So very very curious to see how it goes. It's a tough place to play. They're gonna need they're gonna need to be 
better than they were, well, duh, better than they were at the Wisconsin. Significantly better than they were at Wisconsin. And we'll see what Penn State looks like against Iowa. That might change change my opinion a little bit. But, but even if Penn State isn't full steam, they're going to be at the whiteout. And so what kind of confidence, what kind of uh, mentality does Michigan have after the game and during the game? That's something I'll be keeping an eye on. My score prediction, I'll have a little bit more on, on the different positional weaknesses and strengths of Illinois. Uh, we're also going to have a story on Jeremy Werner. Uh, he weighed in, answering five questions for me. Illinois' defense is just in such such dire shape right now, which is bizarre because Lovey Smith was supposed to be kind of a defensive coach. But I'm going to say Michigan 49, Illinois 14. And so Michigan has a nice offensive get-well game, builds some momentum, whether it's enough for Penn State. That's something that we'll discuss on Sunday. For Steve Lorenz, who couldn't make it on this week's show, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll talk to you on Sunday.